Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Jude. Tonight we're going to finish our series in hard words. This is the last uh, verse in the Bible where the word hard is used and talking about hard sayings in Jude and verse 15. Uh, is one of those verses that most of the time when we read over it, we, we just go, wow, and not really think about it. Tonight, I would like for us to examine this verse and its context. And uh, in order to really do that, we're going to have to examine some other passages as well. But verse 15, let's just start there. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Have you noticed the the use of the word ungodly in that verse? I mean, it is talking about to execute judgment upon all. Now, you read the verse in front of it, and who is talking here in verse 14? And Enoch. How many of you remember Enoch? He, he was uh, very different among the uh, ancient patriarchs uh, of the world. He was directly in the line that produced Abraham, but... Unlike Methuselah, 969 years, and Jared, 965, and even Noah, uh, the last of the really long-lived ones who lived uh, over... uh, Now, what am I saying? He was 600 years old when he went on the ark. And, And if you go down through those ages, you'll find out that when Jacob went to visit Laban, Shem... The son of Noah was still alive. Uh, It's an amazing story. But Enoch, he didn't do that. He was only here 300 years. And he was not, for God took him. He just disappeared. In fact, God, the word is, translated him. And and Enoch is what we uh, would say in, in our modern time. He is a foreshadowing or a living illustration of the rapture. Enoch was walking, he was serving God, and all of a sudden Enoch was gone. And uh, we are looking forward to that. Enoch is the prophet here, not to be confused with the book of Enoch. How many of you have heard of the book of Enoch? Okay, that is part of what we call the pseudepigrapha, the false writings. It was written... After the New Testament was complete, it is obviously not by Enoch because Enoch had been dead for millennia at that point. Uh, It is obviously not a book that was ever considered true. Uh, Only Hollywood movie makers and dirty book writers like the book of Enoch because it's got some things in it that they can... Uh, try to spin their conspiratorial theories out of and other kinds of micmash. The book of Enoch has nothing to do with the Enoch of the Bible. The Enoch of the Bible was a very righteous man. He only lived 300 years because God 
took him to heaven before his time. And it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, I looked it up in a commentary and the commentator had a problem figuring out who him is. How many of you have a problem understanding who him is? How many would look at the verse before it? And who is coming with ten thousands of his saints? Uh, the Lord. Amen. So, wouldn't it be rather obvious that him, because he's executing judgment upon all, and he's convincing the ungodly of all of their ungodly deeds that their ungodly speeches would happen to have been against the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, is, is that a far stretch for anybody in this room? Uh, then everybody take your right hand, put it over your left shoulder, and pat your... You've done better than the great commentators of old. Amen? Uh, your, your education surpasses them because you're able to just read the Bible for what it says. Uh, And uh, so, as we look here, we have Enoch talking about Jesus is coming. And you get down to um, Revelation chapter 19. (coughs) And we have John seeing a vision of Jesus coming, riding on a white horse. And the armies of heaven are coming with him and... He's uh, clothed in a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And how does he execute judgment? With the words of his mouth. Jesus is the living word. Your Bible is the written word. And so, we, we need to look here. And what drew my attention is the word hard. They're hard speeches. And so let's just dig in here. Verse 15, the beginning is Jesus is coming back and he's going to execute judgment upon all. Now, how many of you to that is some kind of new statement that Jesus is going to be the final judge of every living human being in all of history? He is going to judge the saved at what we call the judgment seat of Christ. You read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where your works are going to be tried. And if you have produced something in your life that counts for Jesus Christ, it's going to be tried as by fire, uh, with fire and whatever's left. The gold, the silver... The precious stones, remember, those are the proper building materials. By the way, read Jesus' letter to the church at Laodicea. How do you get gold? How do you get fine linen? You have to buy it from Jesus. You purchase it from Him. He is the giver of all things good. And so, He's going to execute judgment upon the saved. The best we understand, that's going to happen during the tribulation period. 
Then at the end of the millennial kingdom is the great white throne. And who is going to sit upon that throne? None other but our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that judgment seat, He is going to judge all of the unsaved dead. And the thing is, this uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, for those who are saved... There are going to be many different rewards handed out. At the great white throne judgment, we believe that there are going to be rewards handed out as well for the evilness of men. That they're going to be justly punished for just deeds done. But the final sentence will be the same for all. Banishment to the lake of fire and brimstone which burneth forever and ever. Now, we, we live in a world of hard speeches, do we not? Have you ever met one of those people? Isn't it always, they always get back to this point. Oh, you just don't understand. Uh, I almost wish I had a dollar for every person that thinks that I don't understand what's going on in the world. I'd be a pretty rich guy. And, and I know that I may actually be very good at appearing uh, dumb and ignorant, uh, at least in their eyes, because they keep getting told it all the time. Uh, you, you just don't understand the nuance. You don't understand. Well, I'll tell you what I do understand. I understand that the God of this book called the Bible is still holy. That's what I understand. And that what God called sin... Fourth, uh, what is it, one, two, almost 4,000 years ago uh, on Mount Sinai is still sin today. And actually was considered sin by God. God didn't invent new sins when He gave the law to the children of Israel. Are, are we still together on that? Uh, and we understand something that you cannot and I cannot convince someone who believes that they're right. I mean, it is terrifying today. I mean, I, was, I did work the election uh, on Tuesday. Uh, it was a very, uh, for what was decided, it was a rather brief turnout, a uh, small turnout. There was only certain segments there, and yet the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House of Representatives was defeated by a 28-year-old, sorry, little girl, uh, uh, whose only job that I know about was tending bar and working in the Bernie Sanders campaign. Uh, it, it is historically unprecedented. I was talking with Brother Mike yesterday, and he said that he had read there were only 22,000 Votes in the entire primary. That's less than, way less than 10% of the voters in that district deciding who the candidate's going to be. And it is, you know, speaking of things running on. Medicaid and Medicare for all citizens, uh, 
That, that means the government controls all health care. This is one of her platforms. Uh, rent is too high in New York City. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you would agree that the city should take away all of the property in New York City and give it to people who need it? Would anybody agree with that? Uh, that's the communist solution. I'll tell you what would happen. Anarchy. Those that have lived in the former Soviet Union, did the communists solve any problems they didn't create bigger ones instead of? Uh, absolutely not. And what we're doing here is we're speaking about someone that has no understanding of what Real life is. It was uh, Vladimir Lenin. I'm reading a book I got for Father's Day. Three Days in Moscow. It was about President Reagan's last visit. If you ever have a chance, boy, it's it's a good read. Uh, And uh, I, I will tell you that Ronald Reagan, our former president, only had one real goal in life. From the time he was an actor in the Screen Actors Guild, and he was first introduced to what communism was and trying to do, he wanted to defeat communism. And isn't it amazing that God allowed him to stand at the Brandenburg Gate and shout to Mr. Gorbachev, Tear down this wall! And it came down. I tell you, it's an amazing story of history. And now we have people trying to build communism here in the United States. Uh, Terrifying. And what are we told? We're told by these people, Bernie Sanders and all of his ilk, that you just don't understand. You don't have enough sense to know that capitalism is greed and it destroys people. Uh, There's only so much out there. I will tell you, I am sick and tired of hearing about this closed system in which we live. God created this world self-sustaining. We can still grow more wheat in Kansas than the entire world needs to eat. It is not the world's ability to produce. It is man's wickedness that starves his fellow man. That's the world in which we live. There are people who have written books on the only answer is we need another bubonic plague. We need Ebola to wipe out half the world's population and then the rest of us can live comfortably. I've read some of these books that people have written among these things. It's it's absolutely amazing. And my first question is, if you really believe that, why aren't you volunteering to go first? How many of you are with me on this? How come they want the rest of us to die so that they can live comfortably? Uh, Does that sound like ungodly speeches? You know, they believe that abortion is the sacred right of every woman. It's, It's amazing to me. They always choose death. 
What did Obama say when somebody said, my 95-year-old grandmother uh, needs a pacemaker. Would, would Obamacare take care of her? And he's going, how many of you remember the answer that he gave? Does anybody remember? Well, it went along about like this. Well, your grandmother's 95 and she's lived a good life. Uh, I would say just give her a few aspirin and send her home. I'll tell you what, I'm glad I'm not his grandmother. How about you? We that believe in the Bible always choose life. You know why? In him was light, and the light was what? The life of men. I mean, that life in him was life, and the life was the light of men. I'll get it right. Sorry. Always reverse that one. Some reason in my head. But we've got to keep moving and we'll never get past this thing. And I, I want us to get this. He's going to execute judgment upon all. What is this next one? And to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds. Do you know that Joseph Stalin actually thought he was doing something good when he murdered all of those Russian people and literally almost completed genocide in the Ukraine in the 20s? Nobody but God knows how many people, and our president at that time, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, referred to him as Uncle Joe. And said, everybody's got to have an Uncle Joe. And I'm going, boy, I'm glad that man's not my uncle. Nobody knows the cruelty and the murder in his heart. But I will tell you this. If we could somehow get Stalin here and put him on this platform and ask him if he knew how wicked he is, he would tell you, no, I was doing what was best for my country. There is no honest person that believes that today. And when he stands before God, God is going to silence his foolishness. How many of you remember old Carl Sagan? He'd come on the television show, billions and billions and billions of stars. Anybody remember that nutcase? And nobody could convince him that there was a God in heaven, that there was a creator of all the beauty that we see in this universe. Tell you what, Jesus is going to convince him. Philippians chapter 2 says, Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, what does that mean for you and me? Don't worry about the people you can't convince. Jesus will take care of it. Could we say amen to that? You see, we get ourselves into trouble, and the overriding theme of the book of Jude, he says, I've written this book so that you can earnestly contend for the faith. Now, I've heard some sermons from preachers, and they say, 
we got to get out there and we got to protest and we got to do this and we got to do that. We got to contend for our faith. At the same time, we get to the end of the book of Jude, and Jude will tell us how to contend for our faith. It has nothing about protesting the protesters, it has nothing about convincing the gainsayers. Jesus is going to deal with them. He's going to convince all the ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds and their ungodly motives for committing those deeds. He is going to take their hard speeches. And, you know, I've met many people over the years and they say, Pastor, I can't witness because I can't answer all of these questions that people ask. Take them here and read them this verse. Say, you know what? I, I can't convince you of your hard speeches that you speak against Jesus Christ. I, I can't answer all of your questions, but I will tell you this. If you don't choose to surrender to Him now, you will when He comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on his word, on this world. And you don't want to be there, my friend. You really don't want to be there. And, and we go on, and, and it kind of describes these people here in the next few verses. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Wow. That sounds like a political campaign, doesn't it? Uh, and, and all of this crazy stuff that's going on in our society today. Look at this next one. Having men's person and admiration because of advantage. They gave our prior president a Nobel Peace Prize because he showed up. Because we're all supposed to admire him and, and really uh, understand. Let me, let me just say something here. That is all their claim to fame. Every one of those people that go down, they all talk about FDR. How superior he was and how great he was. No, he was a great politician. He had a big machine Anyone that understands economics would understand that the Great Depression lasted so long and was so bad because of the policies of FDR, not because that he was making it less. He made it much greater because he needed that depression. He needed people without jobs so that he could do more of what he wanted to do. It looks so good. It sounds even better. Just ain't Bible, my friend. Uh, Maybe just one quick story. When I was in Bible college, a friend of mine said, you got to come. There's this thing, and it's a part-time job here, and you can earn full-time money. And I said, well, that sounds like it's loony to me. Uh, but because you're my friend, I'll go with you. So we went. And this guy got up there and gave us a pitch. You just couldn't believe it. 
In fact, if you signed the dotted line, you could walk out of there with 600 bucks. That was 1983. 600 bucks was a lot of money. And uh, sitting there going, wow, how do you... And then found out that the 600 bucks was a loan at 18% interest on your future pay. But you're going to earn more than that. And found out before the whole thing was done, you were in hock to them for five or $6,000 before you finished signing your name. And apparently that's how the company made its money. Was robbing poor people and getting them into debt who were trying to sell their products. You know, that's exactly how the devil works. That's exactly how the communists worked. The first people the communists killed were all the leaders in the intelligentsia in Russia, the Bolsheviks. What was the second group of people that got killed? The second purge was all the communists that betrayed their people. I'll I'll tell you, that's how the devil always works. They put people up because they have advantage. They can speak these things. Now, look at this next thing right here. It says, But, beloved, remember ye the words of the Lord which were spoken. I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, Spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Now, I would trust that there would be very few people in this church that have read Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Church book. Um, If you've read that book, there's an altar here. You can ask God to forgive you. Uh, it, It is a terrible, terrible book. I have never read it myself, but I've talked to people who have. There's a whole chapter in that book. This is one of the reasons I've never read it. There's a whole chapter in that book giving instructions to pastors of how to get rid of members who are standing in the process of bringing contemporary music and contemporary theology into the church. Now, let let me read that verse again here. Jesus talked about these people who would be mockers, walking after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves sensual, Do you know what the word sensual means? It means of the senses. It usually has a connotation of sexual perversion. Would there be anyone here that would want to argue the point that rock and roll music has its roots in immorality? I'll give you just one name. How about Mick Jagger? I mean, one of the lowest of all the low lowlifes that ever walked the face of this earth. And then we have that Baptist preacher running for president 
who would get up and play Mick Jagger songs on his guitar and say, this is good music. That was Huckabee. Why would you vote for him? I wouldn't. You see, here's the problem. They separate themselves so that they can be more worldly. That's what's going on in so many circles today. We have all these people claiming Reformed theology and they have all these hard questions that none of us, the rest of us, are smart enough to ask. But where do they all end up? Out of church and in the world. Exactly. You see, I haven't read the last one here. It says, having not the Spirit. If, if you're doing these things, involved in these things, this is not because of the Spirit of God. Now, we've got just a few minutes, and here is the answer. Verses 20 through 25. If you want to contend for the faith, here's how you do it. You don't go out there and try to convince the people that Jesus is eventually going to convince. That's his job, not your job. You cannot make people understand something that they have refused to understand. I'll be the first to tell you, I believe this book, this old King James Bible, is God's Word preserved in the English language. I believe I have books full of facts on my shelf that will prove it beyond any shadow of a doubt to any honest person making an honest inquiry. But I believe this by faith. Because I can't answer everybody's question. I do not believe that you have the right to redefine 6,000 years of human history and take a word, an institution called marriage that God had invent, has invented, that God designed, that God created, and redefine it to include anything else other than one man and one woman for one life together. That, that you can't do that and be honest. But you know something? I can say that here. But there are places where if I got up and said that, I'd start a riot. So here's the answer. Verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How many of you remember a couple years ago our theme was, The just shall live by... Oh, you missed it! The just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk 2.4. It's got to be a personal faith. It's got to be your faith. If you want to contend for the faith, it says that you're supposed to build yourself up on your holy faith. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I could spend a week on each one of these. I don't want to. Hebrews chapter 10. 
Verse 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that cometh will come, and will not tarry. So we're talking about the same context here. The return of the Lord, as Jude was, now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Listen, you cannot draw back if you have real faith. You can and you will and you should expect to suffer some for it. Jesus said, with tribulation. Read Hebrews chapter 11. Living faith always works. You don't need to build an ark. But what would have happened to Noah if he hadn't? He would have perished with everybody else. You see, the Bible says right here, if you want to contend for the faith, If you want the answer to these people with hard questions and hard speeches against God, don't worry about you answering them. You build up yourself on your most holy faith. What's the next one there? Read with me carefully. Praying in the Holy Spirit. For we know not how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you realize that God wants you to get in tune with the Holy Spirit of God so that you can pray for the things that Jesus would have you pray for so that God could answer your prayers and that your joy might be full? But do you know how hard it is to get yourself in tune with the Holy Spirit? Hello? That, that's where our problem is. Hey, you've got to build up yourselves on your most holy faith. You've got to pray in the Spirit. What's the next one? Verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. How, how do you keep yourself in the love of God? 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we what? Hello? Keep His commandments, and that His commandments are not grievous. Say, it's just so hard to serve the Lord. Hey, you got a problem with the love of God in your life. You do. And it's time to wake up and realize, hey, i got a problem here with keeping myself in the love of God. Read Romans chapter 5. There's a whole list of things that start with tribulation and, and trouble in our lives. But what happens when we let patience have that work is the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. God will always make you wait longer than you think you ought to. He will always make the road harder than you think you can endure. It will always cost more. I'm just so glad God withholds certain things. When I stood before you and said, 
Uh, I believe it's God's will for us to do something at Union Baptist Church. I wasn't thinking four hundred thousand bucks just to get in the basement. I honestly wasn't. I wasn't any. I wasn't even maybe two hundred and fifty. That's where I was. And climbing scaffolding and working on all that stuff. Not that just wasn't in the plans. Well, I'm glad it was in God's plans. But that's the way He does things. You see, keep yourself in the love of God. What is that next? Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. How do you get mercy, my friend? It's admitting your defeat at the feet of the victor. And asking for him to give you what you need to serve him. 1 John 1, 9 puts it this way. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we fail, there's no other place to go but back to Jesus. Because that's the only place we can get mercy. Amen? So many other verses we could go to. Hebrews chapter 4. Read Romans chapter 8, verse... 39, no one, nothing, no how, no way, nowhere can separate you from the love of God. Oh, me? Keep yourselves in the love of God. You can't be separated from it if you're truly His servant. So enjoy the trip, amen? And then look at this last thing here. Not last thing. We've got two more to get through here. We'll do it. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, verses 22 and 23 are together. Now, some have compassion making a difference. If you have any question what that's talking about, look at verse 23. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments that are spotted by the flesh. You know what you're supposed to do? If you're going to contend earnestly from the faith, you've got to tell people how to be safe. And you've got to, some people, you've got to have compassion on them and come up beside them and patiently wait for them to continually fight with themselves until they wear themselves out and finally trust in Jesus as their Savior. There are other people, you've got to remind them that the flames of hell are hot and they're forever. And it's a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched according to our Lord and Savior. And put a little fear in them that they would understand that God is holy and that He would save them if they would only come to Him. Not every approach works with every person. How do we know how to do and what to do? Well, I think if you're praying in the Spirit, God just might give you a little direction on that. If you're so full of the love of God that it is coming out, you, you will have the direction that you need in, in your witnessing. And one thing that we all need to pray about is God would give us a greater opportunity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world in which we live. Amen? Now, wait a minute. Verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Oh, wait a minute. Who is guaranteeing this thing? 
Aren't you glad it's not you? It's not me. It's not our church. Now unto him. It's Jesus that's got the guarantee. Amen? He is able to keep you from falling. Now, that's not the end. And to present you without a lot of problems. Or without most of your... What's that word in there? Present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Now, most of us would really go for that faultless before the presence of His glory and that exceeding joy. I think most of us would be on board for that. Amen? Well, how do you get there? You've got to get saved first. And then you have to build your faith on your faith. How do you do that? Keep yourself in the love of God. Pray in the Holy Spirit. You see, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power. Both now and forever. And all God's people said, Aren't you glad it's both now and forever? Let me tell you, there's a lot of hard speeches out there. And if you think things are going to get crazier, you're exactly right. We, we have yet to begun the crazy. And I know that was worded improperly, but at least makes you stop and think about it. The crazy is only going to get worse. It's got to. How else is the Antichrist going to look good unless this entire world loses its collective mind? And it's going to happen. The Bible says so. But there's somebody that's going to take care of them. I, I'm, I'll tell you, there's just a part of me that is looking forward to that day when Adolf Hitler bows the knees and says, You are holy and I am wicked. And Joseph Stalin and Al Capone, Bill Clinton, and all the rest of them out there, all these wicked politicians that have tried to destroy this country because it believes it was founded on some biblical principles. Lenin and Stalin and all those thugs after them. But if I'm not careful, I'll stop building on the faith that God has given me. The battle's not done yet. I still have to keep myself in the love of Jesus each and every day. I still need to pray in the Spirit. Amen? I still need to tell others about Jesus, and I need to have enough sensitivity to know when to be compassionate and when to thunder the holiness of God. That my life is not unto me, it's unto Jesus. And He will get glory. But I get to have a part if I'll cooperate and do things His way. How about it, my friend? Where are you going to be? 
Are you going to be a helper? Or are you going to join the ungodly? You can't, you can't be on both sides. You've got to make a choice. If you want to earnestly contend for the faith, it's not your job to answer the hard questions. It's your job to build yourself up in the faith. It's your job to pray in the Holy Spirit. It's your job to have... I'm sorry, my mind just drew a blank on that one. Keep yourselves in the love of God. To keep witnessing. And to know that God will bring glory if we'll just do things His way. And all God's people say, Dear Heavenly Father,